Welcome into the Sun Devil Source Report podcast. My name is Kalen Jones, and I'm alongside site publisher Chris Cartman and Fabian Ardaya. Guys, how are you guys doing today? Not as good as Bobby Hurley. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, rolling on. We've got a lot a lot of basketball, football, recruiting, signing days. It's crazy. A lot going on. Yeah, but guys, let's talk about this improbable run by the Arizona State men's basketball team. They go from unranked at the beginning of the season to suddenly cracking the AP top five. They landed at number five in Monday's poll. It's the first time that the Sun Devils have actually cracked the top five since March of 1981 when they finished the regular season ranked third in the country. That team, Chris, you're probably around to see it. Fat Lever, (laughs) Sam Williams, (laughs) uh, Byron Scott, and Elton Lister were some of the ASU legends on that team. But they went from 16th to suddenly reaching the top five. They're top five in scoring, averaging 90 points a game. They scored 90 in seven of their nine matchups this season. Uh, what do you guys make of this run to start the season? Um, definitely don't remember ASU's 1981 team. <laughs> uh, actually, that is the year that I have my first ever sports memories. And my, really? uh, yeah, it'll be a little bit of a segue, but I remember when, when uh, Magic Johnson was a rookie playing for the Lakers out of Michigan State. And my, my, my dad was a big Laker fan, so I obviously grew up a Laker fan. And uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was playing center of course for the Lakers then but he got hurt and he wasn't able to play in the finals and Magic Johnson filled in and played center as a rookie and uh, I think he won finals MVP honors that's one of my first ever sports memories as like about a six-year-old so uh, but but that puts into some some perspective just how long it's been since ASU basketball has been in this sort of conversation and uh, certainly nobody expected ASU to be the only undefeated team in the western half of the yeah. United States at this point in the season on the precipice of having its best ever season start in in program history um, we knew that ASU was going to be a better team this year and I, before the season I said it was maybe the most talented team I'd seen since 95 and so there were some superlatives there but what this has turned into yeah. is a totally different type of a conversation yeah, I thought this was the tournament team for the season, but I didn't think this was going to be a top-five ranked team that would be knocking off Kansas, knocking off Xavier. I thought that they, to this point of the non-conference slate, I thought they'd have two or three losses. They'd be good losses, maybe against a team like Xavier, and I thought they were going to lose to the Kansas game preseason, obviously. But I think this is just a team that, with a combination of what they're able to accomplish talent-wise, they're also just red-hot with confidence right now. I think that's one of the biggest things that's most contagious about this program it's just you don't know you know how it's going to shake out you know you have you feel like you have a good group and a, and a, and a, you know, a team that is going to be very competitive in any of these games and I, I had a strong feeling because I knew how much better the guards were getting and how much better they looked and and then you're adding Remy Martin and Mickey Mitchell and Kamani Lawrence to, to that mix and then I knew we had the balance with, with uh, our inside game that we just lacked last year. So I, I knew the success was going to be better. I just, you, you don't expect necessarily when you look at the schedule to, to run the table up to this point and, and beat the type of teams we've beaten. So it's, uh, you just appreciate it. Uh, and, then, and then you kind of move on and, and get ready for the next battle. All right, Fabian, you mentioned it. The Sun Devils went down to Allen Fieldhouse this past weekend and knocked off number two Kansas. Chris, you were there for it. Uh, what did you make of the contest? 
really something to see. I uh, never even been to Kansas before, much less to Allen Fieldhouse and, and Lawrence. Um, I sat right next to the ASU bench on the baseline. Um, you know, cheerleaders were standing up and getting in your way occasionally and whatnot. <laughs> but a phenomenal basketball environment, obviously. It's like the birthplace of, of basketball in a lot of respects. And, um, um, and yet ASU found a way to mitigate that crowd disadvantage. Um, of course, remember ASU was, was losing 15 to two in the game. It looked like it was going to get away from them. There's lob dunks by Kansas back doors, three pointers are going in. There's something to be said though, about the, 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 the confidence that Fabian mentioned about this group and their disposition. They never really seemed like they were staggered by what happened at the, at the outside of the game. They uh, then had a 10-0 run to basically bring them back within a possession. Um, I think ASU didn't really play that well in the first half, was at a three-point disadvantage. Then uh, about the 16-minute mark or so, 15 minutes left in the game, ASU went on a 15-0 run. Uh, Seven layups in a row for ASU, including an and one Mm -hmm. by Romello White which really was the separated the two teams quite a bit. ASU generated four turnovers in that stretch of time. It was about a five-minute span. Kansas didn't score. And to be able to do that at a place like Allen Fieldhouse is, is remarkable. Now, after the game, Bill Self, who's been coaching there for 15 years, I believe, said that this was the softest team he's ever had, that they're not – prepared, ready, experienced to be able to handle some of these things or they don't have the the toughness or fortitude. He was really kind of critical of his team. Um, but, but guys, Kansas hadn't lost uh, a back-to-backs with the second end of that back-to-back being at home since 2005, 37 games. And um, it, nobody's going to dispute the fact that Kansas, even though maybe it wasn't the number two team and had just lost to Washington, right? Um, a couple days earlier and was going to drop in the polls anyways. Mm-hmm. Nobody is going to dispute that Kansas is still a really prominent top uh, 20 caliber program, even in a down year. And and so for ASU to, to be able to go in there, score 95 points, uh, have a 58-point explosion in the second half, um, you know, they got the guard U shirts. Bobby Hurley's wearing it afterwards. There's a surreal sort of uh, 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 feel to what what this program has been able to accomplish this season in such short order. And I think people are just sort of on the edge of their seats, waiting to see if this thing's going to be able to continue. Yeah, I think also what they showed in that game is just you can never count that team out just because of what they can do offensively. And uh, just even on a road environment like that, you just saw the Allen Fieldhouse almost go silent when ASU started knocking in a couple threes in a row. It, there's just not much you can do in a, uh, as far as a crowd or as far as just defensively when maybe you're playing a zone, playing off, and ASU is still just able to shoot well. I think the senior guards of Cody Justice, who had a bad shooting night but still had seven, uh, nine rebounds in that game, if Shannon Evans and Trey Holder each going for 20. Heck, Remy Martin had his best game by far. Wow. And just to have all those guards being able to be so versatile and being able to interchange, it's almost as if when ASU does go to its bench, it's there's not a drop-off there. Well, you're, you're touching on some really key important areas here. Uh, last season, ASU did a phenomenal job of 
taking care of the basketball. I think they were in the top five nationally in fewest turnovers per possession. Uh, ASU made 14 of 28 three-pointers in this game at Kansas. Is one of the best adjusted field goal percentage teams in the country right now. Um, it's a really hard team to defend. It, it, it's hard in the in the full court. It's hard in the half court. They have three, four shot makers from the perimeter on the court at all times. They have the ability with their ball handling to penetrate and create. How do you decide to defend a team like this? There's challenges. You can't really zone them. You have to sort of chase around and over screens. But then when you do that, uh, Trey Holder and Shannon Evans are so good with the ball that they can create opportunities and get into the lane. You're going to get dump offs for Romello White. Uh, One of the things that I've said to you guys uh, maybe privately, I haven't really kind of put out there yet, is I actually think um, this is – Unconventional, but I think Romello White actually might be the MVP of this team. Uh, and I say that because ASU wasn't nearly this good last year, and they had Trey Holder and Shannon Evans and Cody Justice, uh, and Obi Oleka was a pretty good player. Right. But but what you have in Romello White is a is a presence on at both ends of the floor. Offensively, you miss you, you if you're a guard, you have the the confidence to know that if I get this ball up on the rim and somebody's coming over to try to block it as a as a weak side help side defender. Romello White's is going to go up and get offensive putback opportunities. If if they come over and help me and I have the opportunity, I can drop it off to him and he's going to get dunks and, and layups and and, uh, and he's going to foul out opponents and get to the free throw line. I think he has changed the game dramatically. In the past, we look at this team and Trey Holder would get into the lane and not know exactly what he was going to be able to do with the basketball. That doesn't, doesn't feel to be the case anymore. Uh, I, I This is a shallow team. Romello White is a key player. Uh, you know, on both ends because of their how shallow that they are. They're Mickey Mitchell coming back against Kansas. You know, only played five minutes in the first half. Didn't play after that. And that's a tough environment for him to get back out there. They're going to get Kamani Lawrence in the next few weeks, which is going to deepen them out a little bit more. I don't know what's exactly you know capable for this group, but uh, this is a, a remarkable run of basketball that we're seeing. Yeah, and you mentioned it, Chris Romello White averaging 18 points and 10 rebounds a game, averaging a double double this season. First year playing college basketball, and, you know, on a team that has a lot of scoring and is loaded. I um, mean, the, the guy um, is has such energy. The thing that he did in this game, guys. Uh, is he did a great job on the defensive end of the uh, of the ball of the, of the court? Pardon me, uh, denying position uh, uh, to Kansas's one true big solid good player, uh, and it just kind of took their post game uh, out, and it wasn't even like they weren't even getting the opportunities to really. Uh, play inside out or, or score from the post, right. and then Kansas doesn't have a lot of uh, size depth, and so when they were bringing in Mitch Lightfoot into the game, it was just a huge drop drop off from Azubuki, uh, and uh, and ASU was able to just really exploit that, and so it it sounds like I said it's it's unconventional because you have, you have Shannon Evans who's National Player of the Week, right? Mm-hmm. Trey Holder's got a chance to be the Player of the Year in the Pac-12 this year, or and Shannon Evans, frankly, right? right. But I <laughs> but I really would say that what ASU is getting from Romello White this year, uh, while appreciated probably locally and, and internally, is 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 really kind of. Uh, um, uh, a huge part of the difference between what ASU was last year and what ASU is this year. Yeah, and forgive me, that stat, 
18.7 reviews. I was actually third through the first three games on SunDevilAthletics.com. It has like the first three, and I didn't realize until right now. He's actually averaging 16 and 9, okay. which is still pretty impressive as yeah, a yeah. rookie. But again, you mentioned it. Trey Holder, potential Pac-12 player of the year, averaging 21 points per game, five rebounds. Shannon Evans right there with 19 points per game. It's been an all-around effort for the Sun Devils, who this season, Chris, and you guys and Fabian actually mentioned it too, uh, defeated number 16, Xavier, earlier on in the season, pummeled them on a neutral site, uh, 102-86, to back to the Las Vegas Continental Tire Championship game. Um, they Xavier looking on now, they've also defeated number 21, Baylor at the time, and then also number 25, Cincinnati, the other game, or the other night, excuse me. Uh, they actually defeated Colorado, a Pac-12 opponent, 96-69, to routed them. So where do what do we make of this ASU team, considering Xavier is ranked number 10 in the country right now, Kansas dropped down to number 13? Is this a legitimate top five team, or what are we looking at? I mean, they're definitely a legitimate top 25 team. I think, they, I think honestly, going out on a limb now, they'll finish in the top 25 this regular season at the very least. Uh, are they a top five team? They're they're playing like one, Correct. and there's a reason why five voters gave them first place votes this week. It's because they're they're playing about as well as any team in the country right now, and they've played a tough a pretty tough schedule compared to how well they've played. So I, I I'd say right now they are, and as far as where they'll be, I still want to see what Mickey Mitchell turns into. I want to see what happens with Kamadi Lawrence when he gets back, and I want to see how Bobby Hurley manages to balance out that lineup, especially maybe seeing some more minutes from a guy like Daquan Lake, who really made an impact in that Kansas game in a limited amount of time. Yeah. If we're just if we're just evaluating what has already happened and the resumes of these teams right now, ASU has to be a top five team, probably a top three team in my estimation. Uh, Duke has had a... Uh, I would say Duke, Michigan State, and ASU to me are the top three teams. And we'll... In a minute here, we'll go through basically all of their schedules to this point and you can sort of evaluate and make your own determinations um i think that it, just generally speaking and there's nothing you know like i'm not trying to change this or whatever but basically uh where you start in the rankings and historical norms or biases biases influence the way that teams are are perceived so mm-hmm. if you're regularly in the top five top ten and you start out in the top five or top ten ranking, you have a much easier chance of kind of holding in that range than a team that's coming from you know, you know a mile away like ASU this season. And so if, if you just like flip flopped ASU's schedule with like Villanova's schedule, right? Mm-hmm. Villanova's number one, also undefeated, right? One of six teams remaining undefeated. Right. If you just traded the schedules. Right, like you know, it's it's ASU would be number one and 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 whatever. Like ASU's right. schedule is better than Villanova objectively. You have to; it's easy to see. Read 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 what Villanova has played to this point in the season. Well, their strength of schedule is rated as forty seventh according to real time RPI, and they have played the following teams. They have played Columbia, Nichols, Lafayette, Western Kentucky, Tennessee, Northern Iowa. Penn, St. Joseph's, number 12, Gonzaga, and then LaSalle. So one one ranked team opponent, yes. Gonzaga, that was neutral or home or? Uh, I believe that was home. 
No, that was in New York. In so New York. Neutral okay, so they got a neutral win. ASU has beaten Xavier and Kansas, two top 15 teams, Kansas on the road. Yeah, and Kansas and State too. <laughs> Kansas State and, and San Diego State. San Diego State, and, State yeah. uh, It's a better uh, – ASU's strength of schedule is what? ASU's strength of schedule is 25th. So that's – so uh, like it's clear. ASU's had a tougher schedule Correct. and done better, um, you know, overall. So – but, you know, Villanova's number one. It's fine. Ultimately, this stuff doesn't even really matter. We're, if we're in December, <laughs> yeah. you know, and all that, right? Yeah. One thing I agree with, Fabian, I don't like, I think ASU will end up a top 25 team at the end of the year. You have these really wide variants of, where, of how some of the metrics and modeling sites see ASU. Um, you have Ken Palm, which has ASU rated, what, like in the 30s? 34th. 34. And then you have. Some of these other lesser known ones that have ASU number one, yeah. and then you have RPI as ASU is number two, right? What's going to end up happening with this team? You know, I, I, what I, one of the things I've said is, I think ASU is going to end up having some games where they're not shooting the ball at a high level. They'll probably have some foul trouble. Maybe Romello White. They're going to take some losses. Do I think ASU is going to go out there and be like fifteen and three in the Pac-12? No, no. I don't think so. But we're now. We're now on the verge of having to say that this has a chance to be the best ASU basketball season since at least that 90, 80, 1981 campaign, which was 24 and 4. Um, mm-hmm. Since that point in time, ASU's been to the Sweet 16 two times, I believe. Their last really great team was uh, that 1995 team uh, loss in the Sweet 16 uh, to Kentucky. Uh, they were 25 and. and Eight or ten or something, something along those lines. That season, they were twenty-four and nine that year. Pardon me, twenty-four and nine. Um, so I think what we're talking about here, at a minimum, is one of the best three or four ASU teams in the whole entire Pac-12 era, Pac-10 era. Pardon me, going back to forty years. ASU joined the league in nineteen seventy-eight. Yes. Um, and and um, there is a chance that this can end up being. The best of all those teams. You can't rule it out right now, but my inclination is that ASU probably won't end up winning the Pac-12. I think I think Arizona still should be considered right there with USC as maybe the neck and neck favorites. Mm-hmm. My guess was ASU ends up third or fourth. ASU maybe ends up because the non-conference is so great of, of how they're doing. Maybe they end up like a five seed or four seed or six seed. Some, something along those lines would be sort of my guess. But I'm the first to admit that this team's already outperformed yeah. my expectations and all expectations to this point in the season. And maybe they just keep steamrolling everybody, and they their offense is so potent and so explosive and powerful that it's it's it, it's they have the ability to overwhelm pretty much anybody out there. I gave up control of the team and, and put it in the hands of, of Trey, Shannon, Bodie, and Remy and, and trust in them as decision makers and playmakers out there. And when the game got up and down in that second half, you know, I, I liked our chances just because of how those guys were playing. And, you know, they're playing on instinct um, and they're, they're playing off each other. They're playing unselfishly and, uh, and the ball was, was moving pretty well. It's weird because last season, I think we saw signs of that, you know, a national writer compared them to not being a big bulldog looking at all the guards and compared them to like an aggressive poodle. 
Yeah. And that's really what you have here. Like, you have a bunch of guards who are scrappy, play to their maximized potential. And you look at what Bobby Hurley's been able to do last season, what he was able to do with the unit that, you know, really didn't have a bench. I think they were, what, six scholarship players at one point? Yeah, they Sometimes got five. Yeah. So, they were, I mean, you look at how strapped they were then, and you look at this team now, they're adding pieces. Like, Kamani Lawrence still hasn't returned yet, and there's people that I've talked to that feel he could be a complete difference maker. I think Kamani Lawrence is going to be their fourth or fifth best player, uh, depending on Cody Justice, how you look at that. Correct. You know? um, the... Your point that you made about about the poodle thing, I think that initially stemmed from what Bill Self said after the game, which is these three guards are like dominating them in Allen Fieldhouse, and they're all like five eleven or under, right? They're like <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. these little you know guy. Yeah, they're quick, and yeah, they can shoot and whatever. But should they really be doing that to Kansas's guards who are just like you look at the guys just. You know, physically, and you're like, okay, yeah. Kansas has six four, six five guards that look like NBA players, and they're long and athletic, and they can shoot the ball and all these things. And ASU doesn't really; those their guys don't really look like that. Like none of these guys are going to get be first round draft picks. You know, it's it, it's you guys know obviously teams that end up being top five teams they got first round yeah, guys, players, yeah. right? They almost invariably have one or two first round guys. ASU doesn't have first-round guys. Maybe Kamani Lawrence ends up being that down the road. You know, Romello White probably not because he's six eight or whatever. You know, they got some guys that are going to have good pro careers, but what they're doing right now is they're they're just playing with such confidence and maximization of their capability exactly. that it that it, it and they, like I said, they haven't had foul trouble games. They Romello White hasn't been out. They haven't had bad shooting. They've gone through spurts within games for six, eight, ten minutes where they don't play well. But then they, they, they then the next, you know, the next period of time, they just shoot the heck out of it and it, they overcome all that. You know, like the first ever packed 10 team to have six games in a row of 90 plus points and they did it to start the season and they had 102 against Xavier yes, 95 at Allen Fieldhouse they're in the top five as I said in, in, in scoring average per uh, in, in, in the country you know they're going to probably lose some shootouts against some really capable teams but who guys who in the Pac-12 is going to be able to 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 stifle and or overwhelm ASU. I, I just don't I don't know. Yeah, Arizona struggled defensively. I think the one team that maybe offensively can maybe match uh, what ASU can do is maybe USC just because of the athletes yeah. that they yeah. have. But yeah. uh, I think what Bobby Hurley has done is really sort of embrace spacing. He's embraced a lot of the things that you'll see in the NBA nowadays, which oh. is it's high scoring. It's it's a diff- It doesn't look like your typical college basketball upstart. Upstar. I don't know if, yeah. if, how sustainable it is, but it, it looks different than what you'd expect. It's a, it, it's a different it's a different like you said it's a different sort of thing like they're not really running these complex actions and structures no. it's like a bunch of dribble handoffs <laughs> and you know a few little you know a few little sets it's here and there too. but really it's just guys playing basketball like even Hurley said after the game I didn't have to really coach much I just kind of sat back and like enjoyed watching it yeah. but but I, I maybe have underestimated the degree to which the empowerment of players, impacts their confidence and their ability to be successful you know and and that was the big argument about Hurley's predecessor was you know pulling guys and or or you know like being really hypercritical about bad shot selection and things like that I was kind of critical about shot selection the last couple years under Hurley I thought it was like a really big problem but you see Cody Justice out there 
against Kansas, and he's not shooting the ball well. He's missed, He missed his first six six shots, yeah. I think. And he's not coming off the floor. Now, now he also probably can't really come off the floor because, as we're saying, you only have seven guys. Right. But Hurley's not really the type of guy to worry about those things. Like if you miss a shot here or there, he, he has a genuine confidence and belief in his players that – probably at some level makes the players a little bit better. Yeah. And it does because you look at the you can literally look at every single player and identify them with at least like I guess a trait or personality. Look Cody Justice fireball shooter. Trey <laughs> Trey Holder does not give shoot. any anything. <laughs> yeah. And Shannon Evans he's going to pull up from like 5 feet beyond the arc. No problem. No problem. 4 seconds into a shot clock. And then Remy Martin is frantic like Watching him, and when he first got into the game, at first I'm thinking, okay, he's out of control. But the his frenetic style of play is, you know, he plays to himself. Like, each player is able to play in the style that they are, and I think it allows them to grow and play at their full potential, like we've seen so far. What shocks me about a lot of that, though, is Trey Holder and Shannon Evans, you think they're both ball-dominant guards. Mm-hmm. And you think of Cody Just as the guy who can play off ball, but he does his best work with the right. ball. Right. The fact that they're able to distribute and share so well together is probably one of the underrated parts about this team. And I think it's something that when you look at the roster construction, you wouldn't fully expect it to gel as well as it does. But the fact that it has is the reason why the team has taken such a big leap. Yeah, the, the ball doesn't stick even with two ball-dominant players. And it, it just it feels and seems so natural to them. Like it's just kind of – they're just out there playing ball and – hooping and whatever and having a great time and guys like that part of it to me seems sustainable and that it seems sustainable uh in terms of um remy martin is gonna be around for a few more years and doing this and they have rob edwards who was really great at cleveland state on the bench sitting out this year and then they have added one of the best highest profile recruits that they've added ever in lugens dort as a as a powerful guard who can do a lot of things with the ball and another player who's a European who if in the states would be considered a top 50 caliber prospect uh, uh, according to the analysts uh, on our network so um it, it, to me it seems like some of these things are kind of sustainable and then uh, we're already seeing the questions about whether Bobby Hurley is going to be around like into the future and I understand that on one level but then on another level it's like man just like let the team get into conference play probably, you know, before you, you really start going overboard on some of that stuff. I mean, they, they didn't even have winning records either of the last two seasons, and they still haven't demonstrated this in the Pac-12, though they probably will. I'm sure yeah. that there's a lot of people that are trying to put a lot of money on that plus 2,500 odds to win the national title right now, though. Wow. Uh, yeah, I would say so. I mean, why not? And college basketball... There's there's so much parity in college basketball. Like, who really are the great teams? You know, even like the some of these elite teams, they're so reliant on freshman players because they cycle through their talent so quickly nowadays. Um, like, there's nobody that you look at and go, oh yeah, well that's you're not going to be able to beat them. Uh, the 15th team can beat the the the, the top team yep. any any time, you know, and and so that that makes this really kind of fun and exciting and dynamic and then you and then you know not trying to get ahead of ourselves too much but as a tournament team like 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 building up for the tournament you need that offensive explosiveness and the ability to separate from teams to be able to sustain throughout a four game stretch of of 
you know, similarly talented or maybe even better talent that you're going to go through. Not the first round if you're, you know, a top five seed or whatever, but then you got to win the next few games and you need to be able to have this offensive potency and be able to kind of uh, put a lot of points on the board plus usually play some good defense. That's the question about this team. Are they going to be able in a tournament environment to be able to lock up on the other side of the field enough or are they just going to have to play these crazy high scoring shootouts and hope to stay on, you know, stay ahead in two, three games in a row. That's what I'm kind of curious to see what happens. The PAC 12 is going to provide some indication on some of these things. Yeah. Well, you look at a lot of the teams that made the sweet 16 elite eight last year, you look at a team like maybe like Michigan offensive juggernaut, yeah. Oregon offensive juggernaut, UCLA, one of the most efficient offensive teams in college basketball history. Yeah. So I think that's a lot of what, I think is encouraging if you look ahead to the tournament for this team. Yeah, some people are comparing this ASU team to last year's UCLA team in some respects. I've seen that a little mm-hmm. bit out there. Um, but yeah, wow. I think we're ta- this is about, yeah, we're, guys, we're weird. talking about ASU basketball, basketball here. <laughs> like, I know you guys are younger and you have. Uh, no, I mean, it's still shocking. Oh, yeah. Growing, yeah, it's definitely shocking. Like, growing up watching Arizona State, they. They made the tournament once or twice in, since I consistently have been watching them. Yeah, so they've not... they've made the tournament. They made the tournament twice under Sendek. Yeah. yeah, and they made the tournament once under Rob Evans, I believe, yep. in, in the previous 2002, 2003. Yeah, the Iaku, and they had a, they had a, they had a really good team that year. Yeah. Uh, they they lost to Kansas in this in the Sweet Sixteen, I think that year. So, so you know, so 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 at a minimum, we're probably going to be talking about one of the top three best teams. In the last quarter century at ASU, at least, and I, I, I go back. Mike, I started really following ASU around 1994, um, and, and so you know, we're. I mean, this is this is a this is a rarefied air type of a thing. Yeah, and to your guys' point earlier, like my biggest concern with the team is whether or not they're going to be able to play perimeter defense because Kansas, when they jumped out to that run, yes, the way that Kansas was shooting the lights out, really. Throughout the game, they were missing a lot of open looks. Yeah. So I, I think that's the biggest concern. Moving we on. had a conversation about this on in the Devil Sanctuary. Make sure you get in there uh, with our premium community. It's great conversation about basketball, football, recruiting, and everything. But uh, how do you defend ASU, right? Yeah. And I, I think I think I think you you have a couple different things that you could do. You have to be very disruptive on the ball. First of all, you have to not let ASU get into what it wants to be able to do. Mm-hmm. And then and then if you can't do that. You, you you're gonna have to really just chase them through through all screens and and hope that you can hang with them and not let dribble penetration beat you too much. Yeah. But this team, if you if you just kind of sag off or you try to wall screens or you play zones or any of that stuff, you're not gonna be able to to beat them because they have too many guys that can shoot the ball and beat you. That even like like Vitali Scheibel, the guy I probably think should be playing less and Daquan Lake playing more. But but we saw Scheibel, Scheibel. he made he made his first three threes. Yep. In you know as a as a key thing in uh, not the Kansas game but the, the game Saint before Jones, that the yeah. St. John's that mm-hmm. enabled that them to get off to a good start and, and win that game so you have that whole that whole component to it as well and uh, I'm looking forward to you know covering it with you guys the rest of the year It'll certainly be interesting Chris you dropped this nugget before we even started every year this century the eventual national champion has been ranked within the top 16 of the AP poll by week six. ASU is included in that. So in the week six poll specifically. Yeah. So ASU is you know if this that holds true to form. ASU's got a one in sixteen chance 
if you give everybody an equal chance, which they don't yeah. mathematically, yeah. but that, <laughs> but the, the point remains that it that it just it just speaks to where ASU's at. Yeah, ASU was nine and zero, looking for its to achieve its best start in school history, going for ten and zero against Vanderbilt this Sunday. We will all be there. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, so again, you want to check out SunDevilSource.com for all your coverage of ASU basketball this upcoming season. But from Fabian Ardaya, I'm Kalen Jones, alongside Chris Cartman, site publisher. Thank you for listening. <laughs>